How's everybody doing? Good. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Nathan McGahey, and I'm the student pastor here. Uh, and I am so, so excited about what God is doing with this church this coming new year. Um, I think we're going to experience a lot of awesome things together. So um, if you don't mind, uh, why don't we start off the new year by digging into God's Word? Sound good? Uh, open your Bible to Psalm chapter 72. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 72. Uh, we won't read the entire thing, but we re we'll, we'll read most of it. If you don't have a Bible, that's completely okay. We've got Bibles for you as a gift from us. Uh, just go out to the lobby after service, grab you a Bible, take one home with you. Uh, but if you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 72. It'll also be up on the screen for you. So um, let me go ahead and read this text uh, for us. Psalm 72, verses 1 through 17, says this. Endow the king... With your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him. And all nations will serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a new year that we get to um, continue to be a part of your ever-expanding kingdom, uh, that we get to go and spread the good news of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that we will see this morning how you have long ago pointed to Jesus and how Jesus' death and resurrection points us forward in the future. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we read... Um, <clears throat> In this passage, the king that's being prayed for in Psalm 72 uh, has some quite large shoes to fill, right? You see all these things that the writer of this psalm is praying for for the king of Israel. He's saying, hey, we need all these things. God, we need all these things for the king of Israel because this is the king that Israel needs. In this historical context, which I don't have a ton of time to go to, but that's what's being prayed for. And this is, these are major shoes to fill. I mean, we're looking for a king who's just, who's righteous, who's, who's all these different things that when we read this, we, I think naturally we can think nobody can fill this kind of resume. 
Nobody has that. So why is it that someone is praying for that type of king when we know that nobody, nobody can fit that resume? Nobody except one. There's one person that I believe that this passage is pointing to. There's an old hymn uh, by a man named James Montgomery who wrote this hymn in 1821, and he titled it, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. And he beautifully and uh, poetically summarizes and really kind of points to who Psalm 72 really is, is describing, who they're talking about. And this is what the first stanza of that hymn says. It says, hail to the Lord's anointed, great David's greater son. Hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. He comes to break oppression, to set the captive free, and take away transgression and rule in equity. No king, no king could ever live up to this description. No leader, nobody could ever live up to this description except one. One person, one person who came from this little town of Nazareth with which many people thought that no good could come from the town of Nazareth. This one man was named Jesus. Jesus Christ fulfilled the description of the perfect king. The king that's being prayed for here in this psalm, we're going to see that Jesus fulfills perfectly, to a T, the description of that king. So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to kind of pull out five characteristics that we see in this passage uh, and kind of show you, here, here's the five characteristics in the Old Testament in, in Psalm 72, and then I'm going to show you how Jesus fulfills those five characteristics in the New Testament, and then we're going to talk about how that applies to us today. What does is, what is all this matter? Why does, it, why does it matter to me? Why does it matter that we're, you know, going into the new year with this knowledge? I want to show you that Psalm 72 gives us this prophecy, essentially, of a king that's going to come. And we see that in Jesus, him fulfill it, him exemplify exactly what's being prayed for. And then I want to show you what that means So uh, for us today. So I'm going to be flipping back and forth. Okay, through Old Testament, New Testament, you don't have to go to every passage that I go to, okay? So just, you can, you can camp right out here in Psalm 72. So um, let me start with lumping the first two together, okay? The first two characteristics that we see are justice and righteousness, okay? Justice and righteousness. Look at verses 1 through 7 again. It says, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness, he will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice, right? And so all the way through, you, you see that what's being prayed for is we need a king who is just and righteous. Now, I think a lot of us have probably seen either or. We see a lot of grace and not much truth, or we see a lot of truth and not much grace, right? We see kings and leaders and, and whoever uh, really just kind of rain down uh, on people, and that's, that's a lot of the justice part, but there's not much righteousness, right? They don't do it in a, in a holy and sacred way. So what's being prayed for here is, hey, God, we need a king of Israel who is both just, who will rule the people rightly, but they also need to be completely righteous. We want them to be completely holy. Now, if the Bible tells us anything, if the word of God tells us anything, 
it tells us that nobody is fully just and fully righteous. Nobody. Look at, look at Romans 3. This is Paul speaking, and I don't think it gets much clearer than this. Uh, verses 9 through 11 of Romans 3 says, What then? Are we Jews better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. For as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. What's funny is that Paul is actually quoting when he says, as it is written, he's quoting Psalms. He's not quoting 72, but he's quoting a couple of different Psalms. And I feel like that's pretty clear. Like, no one's righteous. No one seeks after God the way that they're supposed to. No one is completely and perfectly holy. No one except one. There's one person that came to this earth and lived a perfect, righteous life. And here's the cool thing. I, Jesus didn't come, like what's being prayed for is, is a king, but Jesus came as a servant. And he, he came not only um, completely righteous, but he, he came as completely just as well. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see that in Jesus, we find the perfection of justice and righteousness. In Jesus, we find the perfection of justice and righteousness. Not like he's good at one and, and needs a little help on the other. No, he is the perfection of both. I struggle with just one of them. But Jesus is the perfection of justice and righteousness. Um, let me give you just an example. I think that Jesus uh, did a really good job of flipping justice on its head because I think when we think of justice, we think of making sure that that person gets what they deserve. They've wronged me and justice must be had. Jesus did a little bit of that. He, he condemned those that were uh, guilty of wrongdoing and said, you know, repent of your sin. But at the same time, there's another piece of justice that we often miss, and it's basically making things whole, making things right. So what Jesus did, and he did this in such an incredible way, he, he cared for the poor, which we're going to talk about. He empowered women. He, he, he did so many things that not just condemned people for wrongdoing, but also cared for those that were victimized by injustice in the world. And so what does that, what does that I mean, mean for us? Because not only was Jesus completely just, but he did it with perfect righteousness too. Hebrews 4.15, one of my favorite verses, he says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, here's the key, yet without sin. So Jesus went through everything we go through, experienced emotionally what we experience today, and yet he did all of those things. He was wronged. He was a victim of injustice, but yet he responded righteously. He responded in a holy and sacred and perfect way. And so we see Jesus live out the perfection of righteousness and justice. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us this. 
For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is major news. This is, this is big news because what this means, and I think this gets overlooked, what this means is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his death and resurrection, and the fact that he lived a perfect life while doing it, he did that for us, and this is where it gets, it might get a little confusing, but this is, this is the truth. God essentially placed his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, on us, meaning that we are looked at just as Jesus is looked at, as righteous, as holy, as blameless, and perfect because of what Jesus did. God looks at us as if we were the one that lived a perfect life. We didn't. We don't. It's very obvious, but God looks at us because of what his son did and sees us as perfect. And so knowing that, our job is to live in such a way that models that truth. The truth that justice and righteousness have been placed on us. So what I'm asking for you to do is to allow God to handle the ultimate injustice, right? All the sin and all these things of the world that we really can't do much about. Allow God to handle that. Allow God to handle the injustice of the world, but our job is to care for those that have been victimized by the injustice. Now, I'm not going to get political here, okay? But our job is to care for those who have been victimized by injustice and at the same time proclaiming the truth of God's comfort and care through it all. That's our job. Knowing that Jesus lived and, and fulfilled the perfection of justice and righteousness, and that has been placed upon us, we are to go and live in the same way. We are to go and model what Jesus modeled. Now, let's look at the next characteristic. Let me, let me uh, take you back to verses 8 through 11. It says, he will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Uh, all this stuff about, uh, the, this is very descriptive, verse 9, and the enemies will lick the dust. That's pretty amazing. Um, then you get to verse 11. All kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. Now, when's the last time that you've seen any king, any president, any ministry leader, any prime minister, any of those types of things have the authority over all other kings and prime ministers and presidents and leaders? Never. You've never seen it. Except once. You've never seen it because we can't have that authority because we'd squander it. <laughs> we'd mess it up. We'd do something dumb with it. But we see one person that will and does have authority over all kings, and the, not just the authority over it, but the submission of all kings. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of a king who will have the submission of all other kings. Look at verse, um, let, me, let me point you to Mark chapter 13, verses 26. Um, Jesus predicts at this point the, the end times. He says, hey, I'm going to be coming back. Once I, once I die and ascend, I'm, I'm coming back. 
And this is what he says. He says, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So that's his second time coming back, right? First time he came back, he didn't come back. Or first time he came, he didn't come that way. He came as a baby. This second time, he is coming with power and with glory. And so then, Revelation 19, 16, it gives us Jesus' full title. I love this. It says, on his robe, this is when he comes back, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What this is saying is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of a king who will have submission of all other kings. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Like all kings that you can think of on this earth, he's the king of those kings. He is the Lord of those lords. So what does that mean for us today? Well, I think, personally, if we have, if we have this Jesus on our side, church, we don't have anything to fear. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear even death itself. Because if, if we have Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who vouches for your soul, cares for your heart, if that's our king, we have nothing to fear. Nothing. We have no king, no leader, no ministry leader, no president, no nobody. That doesn't mean you disobey, you know, like kids in here, obey your parents. Don't use this as a, I have no fear of you, parent. But this means that we have nothing to fear because sin and death have been taken care of. And our eternity is secure. Because of what Jesus did, because he has the submission of all other kings, our eternity is secure. We get to spend eternity in heaven, free from sin and free from death, under the authority of a perfect king. And here's the thing. That same king, this is where it gets very... Um, feels contradictory, but that same king that's going to come back and empower and glory and all this, that same king is the same king that when he lived here on earth, cared for the vulnerable, cared for the needy, cared for the oppressed, cared for the poor. That's the same king. And so the next characteristic that we're going to see in uh, verses 12 through 14 is, is that this person that's being prayed for in this psalm is a person of not only just having the submission of all kings who is the top dog, but he also cares for those that aren't the top dog, who cares for those that are at the bottom of the pyramid. And that's what we find in Jesus. Now, uh, the reason this is so countercultural is because we live in a context today where the powerful don't care about the less powerful. We live in a context today that if you're up top, it's not as common for those people to care about those that aren't on top. But what we see is we see, and here's the thing, I know, I know that there are people out there, there's famous and powerful people out there that really do care for the needy, okay? So I'm not, I'm not discounting what they do. But here's the thing that we have to understand, why we are different than Jesus. Because we, we can care for the needs of the poor, but we can't save their souls, 
We can care for the needs of the poor, but we can't save their souls. Only, only Jesus can save their souls. Look at verse, verses 12 through 14 again. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. Only one person can do that. And surprise, surprise, that one person is Jesus Christ who came as a man, who came as poor in spirit to save the poor in spirit. You see what he did there? He came as vulnerable to save the vulnerable. He not only cared for their needs, but he, he saved them spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, more than we could ever do. And so you can obviously see how Jesus is the fulfillment of that prayer, that he came for the poor, he came for the vulnerable, not just to give them things and say, here, go, you know, you know the whole saying about teach a man to fish and he'll fish for you. Like, he, he did that. <laughs> and he saved their souls. And so, yes, the application here might seem quite obvious. Yes, Nathan, we're supposed to care for the poor, right? Yes, the answer is yes. If, if the creator of the universe, if the king of kings, the Lord of lords, came down and washed his disciples' feet, then who are we to not do the same? Who are we to do anything different than what Jesus did? The king of kings, the Lord of lords, cares for the vulnerable, and so should we. And so, so far, we've seen a king who is justice who is righteousness, is, meaning fulfillment of. Justice, righteousness, has the submission of all other kings and at the same time cares for the needy and the vulnerable. And then there's one more characteristic that I want to close this off with. There's one more characteristic that I, I don't think it gets much better than, than ending it this way. Look at verses 15 through 17. It says, long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. Catch this. May his name endure forever. No king no leader, no body will ever have a name that endures forever like King Jesus. Nobody. Only King Jesus will have a name that endures forever. We all die one day. Jesus died and then came back to life. And his name will endure forever. The last stanza of that hymn that I read you at the beginning. Sings this beautifully. And I'm not going to sing it because you'll all probably leave. <clears throat> to him shall prayer unceasing and daily vows ascend. His kingdom still increasing, a kingdom without end. The tide of time shall never his covenant remove. His name shall stand forever. That name to us is love. 
in Christ, we are, are grafted into eternity, meaning we are, we are brought in to eternity. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you place your faith in this king, when you place your faith in this savior, you are brought into the chosen people of God, and you will get to spend eternity. I know that's, that's a long time. It doesn't end. But it's a great thing that it doesn't end because it's free from sin. It's free from pain. It's free from suffering. And that's just simply by placing your faith in him. Repenting and believing that he is your Lord and he is your Savior. He is your King. And because of what Jesus did, we are grafted into eternity. We get to spend eternity with him because of what he did on that cross. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 sums it up really well. It says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. When you heard the truth, the gospel of your, your salvation, and believed in Christ, you were sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, meaning you were sealed for eternity. So, something to think about. If you, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, why wait? Why wait? What better way to start the new year than with a new life? What better way to start the new year than with a new life? The king that we worship is the king of all kings. He is perfect in every single way, and he loves you the exact same way. So if that's you, if you are, if you are wanting to place your faith in this king, in King Jesus, please, please don't hesitate to come talk to me, any of our staff, Rachel, Trace, any of the volunteers. Please come talk to us, and we would love, love to lead you toward this new life in Christ. So we're going to sing uh, a song together, uh, one last song, and then I'm going to pray for us. But I, I wanted to mention something about this song that we're going to sing, okay? This song is called Promises. And I, I love, there's a specific lyric in this song that you're going to sing um, that it talks about the faithfulness of God. What we've seen in Psalm chap uh, chapter 72 is that God promises something, and then he fulfills it. He doesn't just promise it and leave it empty. He promises a king that will fulfill all of these descriptions, all of these characteristics, and more, and then he fulfills it in Jesus Christ. That's a big promise. There's a lyric in here that says, from the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. So my ask for you this morning, my ask is for you to recognize the faithfulness of God 
and praise him for it. That's it. That's all I ask. Recognize his faithfulness. Recognize how good he has been to you and praise his name for it. Let me pray for us. Father, um, gosh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your, your gift of grace. God, you have been so undeservingly good to us by giving us your son, King Jesus. Father, I pray that if there is anybody in this room that doesn't know you, that has not placed their faith in you, that they would. That they would not wait, that they would recognize their need for you and the life that you will provide. Not easy, but full. God, we love you. In Jesus' name.